Hello and welcome to the Feminist Critique. I am Ajlene. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie and we dissect it. Uh, kind of like those little frogs and we kind of poke at it and its little legs are like, ooh, hey guys. Um, and then we ask, you know, some questions like, is the movie feminist? Is the movie inclusive? Uh, is the movie good? These are all very important questions that we yes, ask. Yes. But we kind of do like a deep dive like that frog used to do before we dissected it. I was not anticipating this turn of events when we got an introduction. Oh my god, we uh we went there, huh? What? Sorry, Ashley, did, you not- did, did you did you turn vegan over the weekend? I, I'm concerned. <laughs> did you did you not like that? I did, but also I'm kind of shocked that you went that way. <laughs> you know what? I just I kind of did it on the fly, and then I was just like, roll with you know, that, roll like, with it. <laughs> kind of like how the frog catches a fly jesus all right yeah. improv lady <laughs> all right so <laughs> hi everybody uh today we are going to be doing our last highlighted female black director uh you know it's been a great month we've had a lot of fantastic movies this month uh and the one bonus episode of dear white people because gracie doesn't understand now We were originally supposed to do um, Queen and Slim. Yes. Uh, Which is like a Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, very Bonnie and Clyde. And then Ashlyn and I discovered a few weeks ago that there was a movie opening called The Photograph. And then we decided we wanted to do it instead. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about the photograph because it is, in fact, directed and written by a black woman named Stella Maggie. Um, who, who, who is? She's Canadian. Oh, okay. So she's Canadian. That's an added bonus. And, you know, yeah. I, I kind of like the fact that, you know, for the majority of movies that we've done, we've kept it pretty light. And I didn't want to end the month with a movie that was super heavy. You know, like, I wanted to, Ashley and I both kind of wanted to highlight movies that weren't necessarily about racial trauma, you know? And this movie, I kept waiting for the bottom to fall out, right? Like, because, first of all, you have two successful black people in very exceptional jobs, like... One guy has a really great career as a reporter. The woman is a curator of a museum. Like, and I just kept waiting for the bottom to fall out and for something bad to happen because, you know, they were black in New York. Um, Also, fuck Michael Bloomberg. Anyway. (laughs) Wow. Gracie, tell us how you really feel. Yeah, fuck him. Uh, but anyway, I, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. And one of the things that someone, um, people in Twitter, on Twitter kept mentioning was the fact that there's no trauma in the movie. And I think that's a misrepresentation. There is trauma, but it's not racial trauma, which is so, and I, don't get me wrong. Like, Ashley and I are both quite aware how much racial trauma plays a role in the lives Mm -hmm. of black people. But I will say it was nice to see a movie that focused on two people as themselves without it. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it did come to, like, it, it was just, like, a simple love story. Yes. It, like, it, it told a very complex story, like, behind the, you know, behind it, right? About, um... It's a movie the, about, like, mothers and daughter relationship. Yeah. You know, it's not just a romance, It's about coming to terms with your past and how to move forward. Like, it's a good romantic drama. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, So I'm going to give you some stats and then we'll start talking about the movie. Uh, I hope you guys aren't anticipating any trivia at the end of it because it's a brand new new movie so we don't have a lot of it, if any. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you IMDb's trivia is like, Chelsea Peretti is married to Jordan Peele, who directed and wrote Get Out. And one of the people, or two of the people in this movie, were in Get Out. That, that's, yep. 
That that's that, IMDb. That's the, that's the <laughs> trivia. <laughs> yeah, IMDb does that weird thing where it's like, oh, this person was in, or this person is married to this person who did this with these people, and it's like, it's not really trivia. But okay, anyway. Uh, the photograph has a budget of $16 million. So far, the box office is $14.8 million, but that could change. Um, I mean, that's pretty good for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, then we have Rotten Tomatoes score 75% critical, 82% audience. Uh, directed and written by Stella Maggie. Uh, she also wrote and directed The Weeknd and Gene of the Joneses. Lakeith Stanfield plays Michael. He's been in a lot of great movies. Sorry to Bother You, Selma, Knives Out, Get Out, Get Out and Your he- Knives. <laughs> and he... Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that was a poor He joke. was also in Atlanta and then he... Uh, I, I know him from... Um, Death Note. <laughs> he plays Elle. Yeah. Um, Issa Rae plays May. Uh, she does stand-up comedy. She was in The Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl. Insecure. She was recently been in Little, which I think we're doing next week. We've kind of tweaked our, uh, or not next week, ne- next month. We've kind of tweaked our uh, girl power movies a little bit. So yeah. we're going to see. I-, I think we're actually doing that one next month. Um, Chelsea Peretti plays Sarah. Uh, She's, of course, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and she's married to Jordan Peele, and she also does stand-up. Well, yeah, but she also was a writer before she did Brooklyn Mm -hmm. Nine-Nine. She's wrote on, like, a lot of things, um, including Parks and Rec, which, you know. Ashlyn loves. I love that show so much, okay? (laughs) Don't judge me. But, no, she's done, yeah, she's done, like, a lot of writing before... She kind of got into, like, actual acting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and the last person I'm going to mention is Shantae Adams, who plays Christine. She's recently been in Roxanne, Roxanne, which I think uh, is what the song is based on. I asked my friend about it, and they said it. So that's what I'm going to say. And if they're wrong, and you guys haze me for it, um, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, and, uh, so, I forgot her name, but she plays Peggy in Hamilton. It's, ja- it's Jasmine, uh, Cephas Jones. Right, her and Peggy. Hey, and a Hamilton Pe- reference! We haven't made one of those in a while. Uh, yeah, she also played, of course, Maria, uh, Reynolds. Yeah. But, yeah, she was one of the original cast members of Hamilton, also, and real a- Alexander Hamilton was a piece of shit. Was he? Yes. Yeah, well. Mariah Reynolds <laughs> deserved better than an abusive husband. It's true, she did. And she didn't deserve to be made into a whore. Fuck Alexander uh, you know Hamilton. What? S- surprisingly, though, like, how she was portrayed, like, in, uh... In the the musical, right where they like more sympathetic, yeah. But no, no, (laughs) no, no, Um, not at all. In in real life, though, she was actually like considered the victim. She was actually downplayed, and they, uh, like the public, felt bad for her. Yeah, because her husband sold her off. Yeah, but like that's the thing. Like she ended up having like. Maria and she lost Reynolds her baby. Okay. She lost her kids. Yeah. But, like, she was okay in the end because um, she ended up, like, finding another man that, like, loved her and she had more children and stuff. Like, she was okay. Well, good. In the she end. Des- and the, she deserved And the public ending. actually, like, gave her um, sympathy. Like, they were actually sympathetic to her compared to... Alexander Hamilton as which, like, they should be well exactly which is like a complete opposite thing for when how we use uh, do sex scandals now because it's always the woman's fault it's always you know who her that is being ripped apart through the media oh yeah the 22 year old intern should have known better than the most powerful man in the office you know flirting with her and abusing his power yeah 
<clears throat> anyway. Mm-hmm. Monica Lewinsky is a hero. Exactly. Anyway, uh, so let's start talking about this movie. Uh, first off, we get introduced uh, to Christina on tape, or Christine, talking about, you know, like, her regrets as a person and how, you know, she wants to do better. I really, I also um, want to point out that there's a lot of blues and jazz influence in the score. Yeah. And it's so pretty. It's such a calming score to listen to. And it just gives off this old Hollywood kind of romantic vibe. Well, I think it's uh, also the idea, too, because it's set for a good chunk of it in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. right? So there is kind of that um, blues and jazz. jazz. Do you like jazz? (laughs) For fuck's fuck's sakes, come on, girls. (laughs) Can you be serious for once? No. Okay, we are doing a podcast here. And here you are making a B-movie reference <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself so be fair it's not a b-movie reference to me it's a vine reference because i've never seen b-movie <laughs> do you like well, jazz mom no <laughs> oh wow okay um i'm so sorry wow wow <laughs> <laughs> I am so um, tired. I've got the giggles. You've got to forgive me. <laughs> okay. So, let's get serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, so, yeah, we uh, we first see Christina, who, you know, says that um, she wishes that she was as good at love as she was at her job. Yeah. Uh, you can see she has a lot of insecurity. And then it kind of flashes forward to Michael. Uh, Michael is a reporter from the Republic, and he's come down to interview a guy named Isaac about his life as a fisherman. Um, I think this is something in reference to the aftermath of Katrina, like 10 years later, how are you coping, you know, that kind of thing. Right? Um, Mm -hmm. And while he's down there, he sees this picture, and... Uh, He's like, oh, who's that? And the guy's like, oh, that's Christina Ames. You know, she ended up moving to New York, uh, became a photographer, that kind of thing. And you see, like, there's this unrequited love thing. And Michael becomes interested in this person, you know, person story that he was working on. He's like, huh, this is interesting. I'm going to veer off and take this direction. Um, So then he sets up... uh, an interview with May, who was Christina Ames's daughter. Christina Ames had passed away yeah. recently, like within the past month. And while they're there, he asks her out on a date after he finishes asking her about her dead mother and the photograph. He's like, hey, maybe we should have dinner. <laughs> and she's just like, um... I, I, I guess. I guess? I guess? <laughs> yeah, like... Sure. Um, she's... I think she even made a joke about... She's like, really? You're, you're asking me to on a date? And he's like, no, 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 no. Not a date. You know. Dinner. <laughs> dinner. Just dinner. Just dinner. Um, like also, Michael has just recently gotten out of a relationship with a woman named Tessa, which this comes up later in a yeah. very funny way. <laughs> Well, okay, because he had, like, kind of blow... Didn't he, like, uh, blow Tessa off? Yeah. Like, he was supposed to go and visit her down in Louisiana, because that's where she lives. Mm -hmm. And then he was just like, I'm a ghoster. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is is how he was was doing, though. (laughs) It's true. It's... Yeah. Uh, my favorite part, though, is I love the brother and the wife's relationship. The brother and his it, wife. It's so yeah. adorable. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's it's like, a healthy relationship. You don't need to offer him any food. He's a grown man. We got kids to feed. <laughs> I mean... 
Uh, but they live in a respectable looking apartment or townhouse, right? Like, you know, they, they have, like, it's nice to see a movie with black people in it where they live a middle class lifestyle or upper yeah. middle class lifestyle. It's nice yeah. to see that because so often, so often, especially if white people are the ones telling the story, you have people that live in you know horrible living conditions or they have the the drugs and stuff like that like and the what you mean life is not like um that one that one show in baltimore the wire (laughs) no Uh, you know it's like representation of black people in film is like set to a pretty clear standard of yeah poor inner city or slave so it's nice to see a movie where that's not the case yeah um so absolutely uh another thing that this movie does is it goes back and forth uh between time and may reads a letter from her mother and the letter says read this one first but don't read the second one yet um give it to your father well she thinks it's this guy that's played by courtney b vance um but it's it's you know but she reads this letter and she learns about her mother's love affair with this guy named isaac who is a fisherman christina's mom doesn't like him she thinks that he's gonna be no good for her you know christina has all these aspirations but she's not gonna get anywhere if she stays with him um you know but isaac is such a sweetheart he's you know he takes her out on his boat and you know he even ends up making her a red light room for her photography once she gets interested in it yeah like he he does like the little things but He's one of those guys that is going to stay he's, in he's Louisiana. Rooted. Yeah. yeah, he's rooted. He's he's going to stay there and he's going to be, you know, he's security. Yeah. But she has, you know, these dreams of grandeur and, like, wanting to uh, go out into the world and, you know, make something of herself. You know, take the, the photography and... And, and and she does like she is a famous photographer, mm-hmm. right? So oh, I love that scene when she gets to New York and she has the interview with the guy, and oh, he's like, yeah. "Why should I hire you?" And she says, "Because unlike every woman out there with their debutantes and their rich, you know, parents, I'm here because I'm going to work hard, and they're going to quit in two weeks when the demand isn't, you know, when the demand's too strong." And then she walks out and she says, pack it up, ladies. <laughs> yeah, she got because she got the job. And it's true. Right. There's who those 80s, 80s hairstyles and stuff in that waiting line. So, My God. So, so good. <laughs> um, but but that's the truth of the matter. Right. There's there's people out there who. Like, they, you know, get a job opportunity because of nepotism or whatever mm-hmm. money, essentially, right? And there's and there's people out there who will work their ass off. And I'm trying not to swear, but we're, like, not doing the other podcast. I know, I've, so I've I'm just seen like, that. What's, what's like, wrong with me? I need to, like... Okay, let, let me just get it out of my system. Ashley's still Let's in get Disney it. dive cunt, mode. Cunt, 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 cunt. <laughs> fuck, fuck asshole asshole shit anyways what Um, so yeah uh christina ends up leaving um louisiana for new york gets a job there uh and she doesn't tell isaac and they had moved in together she doesn't tell Mm -hmm. isaac she's leaving she just hops on a greyhound bus and she goes and she comes back three months later after her mother passes away and her her friend's like, well, don't you know, Isaac got married. He moved on quick. Yeah. And well, like, he didn't, he didn't move on, obviously, but, like, he was obviously heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And moved on to the, you know, because it was that girl who, who he I had guess, flirted with and kind of dated before. 
Yeah, and she was hanging around because she really liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a, you know, a decent marriage, you know, from what we can tell later on in the movie. Um, mm. So, cut back to Michael and May. Uh, I was super excited to learn that May is a curator at the Queen's Museum. Like, she's a curator, and he's possibly getting a great job at AP, Associated Press. They are successful people. Yes. Um, Michael then shows up at May's work for this French film premiere and then questions her again about going out to dinner. He also brings his 25-year-old friend with him, who is an intern at the paper where he works. And the 25-year-old ends up uh, flirting with May's best friend, who is older. And my favorite part of this whole... Really? <laughs> Do you hear that? I hear it. <laughs> are you Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. Okay, go on. Anyway. Yeah, well, she... Uh, the, the actress is 30. Yeah, so he, he comes up, he goes, I'm a solid 25 in a couple of months. How old are you? And she just laughs and goes... That's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, in real life, she is dating a younger man. Nice. Well, she's dating uh, Anthony uh, Ramos. Yeah, from, yeah, Ramos from Hamilton. Yeah, they so. met. They met on set. I, really? I, don't, I, I know, never right? guessed. Hey, I should do, work do for think, IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that they worked together for? years <laughs> anyway sorry go on oh yeah we're just shitting all over imdb today because their trivia section just sucked for both movies we're recording tonight it's true it's true <laughs> it was so bad um so may and michael after the film go out to dinner and this dinner y'all is so adorable like when they start oh, yeah. talking about music and how he's a big kendrick lamar fan and she's she's like riding him on it and later on in the movie he finds out that she likes drake and he's like you have got to be kidding me yep. <laughs> uh, well because she says about kendrick lamar she's like well like i like his music but he, it, he makes me feel guilty Mm, yeah yeah right yeah so and then i forget what he said about drake but like yeah <laughs> also drake is um is is not good drake drake is not good it's not his music that's not good it's his very strange predatory behavior towards teenage yeah, girls <laughs> like maybe don't if you're 31 years old it. don't say yeah. one of your best friends is a 15 year old maybe don't slide into the dms of a 14 year old yeah it's a little weird just a little like i don't care if you both are famous it's still weird yep it's grooming uh-huh. so i don't like yep. it i don't like no, it no um, i don't so uh the best part of the whole dinner is when he says, I'm wondering if it's not too early in the night to kiss you. And then they kiss. And then she's like starstruck. And then she's like, it wasn't too early. That was oh. fucking adorable. Oh, it was amazing because like they were into that kiss, boy. The chemistry yeah. was fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that was you felt it deep in your soul. <laughs> I was like, I want a man to look at me like that. I'm man, just saying. I, I want a man to look at me like a guy looks at, you know, his favorite plate of food. <laughs> I'm so you, lonely, Gracie. You, I'm so lonely. Are you lonely. saying you want to be eating out? Gracie. That is not what a good southern girl does. Oh, you didn't like my joke? Have I shook you again? <laughs> I am shook. <laughs> hey, you brought up dinner. It it's was true. right there. I could not take it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you pervert. Anyways. <laughs> I've been corrupted. And it is not my fault. Um, By me? <laughs> Probably. You and a couple others. Um, 
So, oh my god. Uh, Where are we at? <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. Okay, so we flash back again. You know, Isaac asked Christina to marry him in New Orleans. That's when they have sex for the first time. We kind of, like, gone over Christina's thing. You know, like, they get engaged, but then she leaves. Um, yeah. So... Then we cut back to Michael and May. Um, they're on another date, apparently. And then they end up at his house. There's a hurricane coming in. And they're just supposed to be getting going there to grab a couple bags or, you know, some clothes or something. Because they're going to stay at his brother's house. Because, you know, better together. Um, and then she comes across, uh, she, like, his records or something. And she's like, well, what got, what got you into these records? And he's like... Oh, you know, like, one of the first women I dated, um, one of the first women he dated, or fell in love with, was a 42-year-old woman, and he makes the joke about how she really liked his youth, because he was 23. Yeah. (laughs) Good on her. I mean, get it. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, they end up hooking up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he makes yeah. that joke about why you got your head down like you're praying. And she's like, because I'm praying for strength. <laughs> uh, but then they get woke up by the alarm because, you know, hurricane. Um, and so they manage to flag down a taxi cab and they go to their his brother's house. And one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when she gets introduced to the kids and then left alone with oh, them. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Like, with oh, his yeah. brother's kids. I thought your name was Tessa. I thought they were gonna get married. You know, you kind of look like her, though. And she's just, like, she has that, like, look of, like... To your headlights. <laughs> and I, oop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and she's then, just like, and then she oh, asked, I did not know. And then she asked the kids, you know, when's the last time you saw Tessa? And that one little girl just nervously laughs. <laughs> she just goes, uh-huh. And then, of course, oh, the adults come she knows, she knows she that she's messed up. up. Yeah. She done she's fucked like, up. Like, we are never going to see this woman again, just like all the other women <laughs> our uncle's been with. Uh... And well, then, I mean, when you're young and there's a parade of, like, women that, you know, somebody's introducing, like, you get confused. Yeah. Like, and then they realize their mistake midway through the conversation. It's so freaking cute. It's Oh, it's adorable. It's so funny. Uh, that's what I could honestly call this movie. A lot of this movie is just adorable. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so the kids go upstairs and then all the adults are talking and drinking wine and, uh, you know, his brother and his wife start talking about their wedding and how he had shown up with a top hat on and the brother goes, you know, everybody had a regular fade and then you had on a fucking Monopoly hat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was so funny. Well, he definitely is one of those guys who's like, I'm not like other guys. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's giving me he's giving me those like those vibes of wants to be a gentleman, you know. But yeah. he kind of fails at it. Like yeah. not su- I wouldn't call him fuck boy, but it's really close. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's well, bordering. That's a, he's char- <laughs> it's bordering, but like he's charming enough to And he I think he honestly that you're rooting for them. Yeah, he and he on I don't think he honestly means to fall in and out of love so quickly. It's just his personality to go quick. Um Oh, Gracie. What? It's just his personality to go quick. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. That's not dirty if you want to make it dirty cuz personality is not the same as uh performance. So just uh, oh. laying that out there. My joke worked better. <laughs> I tried, okay? You, Some, you know what? Sometimes I just have a dud of a joke, and it just isn't funny, okay? And then the awkwardness makes it kind of funny, <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. Um. So then me. the brother asks, well, what did y'all do when the power went out? And then she laughs and takes a sip of her beer. And he goes, oh, I know what y'all did when the power went out. It's the best do-it weather. I mean, 
And Not then the wrong. kids and then the kids come downstairs. Mom and Dad, can we sleep in your room? <laughs> Which like every kid has done that to their parents were like, Mom, can I sleep in whatever? And like parents hate that. Oh yeah. Like you don't know it at the time. You're just like, God, why why are they saying no? Like, come on. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, no shit, they're saying no. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy so uh especially if you got like a kid that's you know a s- snake in the bed and like you know mo- wiggles around i had a cousin like that who we called her the snake in the bed because she wiggled around so much and she used okay. to like kick us in the ribs listen all right i babysit my nieces and we don't yeah. have any extra pallets so when they come over i have a queen size bed we all sleep in the queen size bed yeah. And I hate it. I get no oh. sleep. <laughs> they well, it's cause, they like, somehow okay. kids like wiggle themselves where they're like upside down and yes. their feet are in your face yes. and you're like, "How what? Yes. What kind of monsters are these demon children?" We will go to bed in the same position. And then one of them will be upside down, half of their head hanging off of the bed at the foot. The other yeah. one will be sprawled out on top of me and the and and the one that's upside down like sideways and then here's me <laughs> just like well it was nice to get five minutes of sleep last night <laughs> uh, um so yeah uh don't it, have kids <laughs> well they end up going back to sleep you know they they end up you know retiring for bed and everything and um she ends up taking out the letter and reading it over again. And, sorry, as she's reading it, uh, it does another flashback to when Christina's mother died. And then there's this, like, flash forward in the flashback where it's been a few years and it's Christina coming back um, to town. And she's got a kid now. Uh, You know, she's got May with her. And she ends up going to the old house where she'd grown up. And when they get there, you know, Isaac ends up popping up. And there's this awkward meeting between Christina and Isaac. And then he says, can I drive you to the station? I didn't get a chance to do it last time. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that hurt me. I was like, damn, he really went there. But, yeah, I mean, he, he was in love with her, and she left without, you know, no note, car gone. Like, <laughs> she she actually ghosted him, like, back in the she 80s. Did, she when did you real ghost. ghost. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that was a thing that people could just do in the 80s. Like, no, you can't do that because there's online presence or mm-hmm. whatever. But, like, back in the 80s, you could people drop could just straight leave. up. Oh, yeah. Like, there are people out there who, like, they were in a relationship with people for years and have children with somebody, and, like, that person just walked out the door and, like, never came back, and they were like, oh, I don't know where they are. It's never like, never seen them it's again. It's like that joke in Iron Man 3, where the, um, where, uh, Tony Stark asked the kid, where's your, where's your mom, and he, she, he goes at work. And then he goes, well, where's your dad? And he says, well, he went to the store to buy some scratchers and it's been seven years. So I guess, I guess he won. <laughs> I love that. And, and that's the thing. They're... Yep. That, that's, people have done that. And, and even like, um, I'm going to bring up September 11th, but like, that's what a few people did when like September 11th happened. They just like walked away from their life and oh pretended my God. to be dead. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Holy there was shit. The people, yeah. They just pretended that they were one of the victims and like just disappeared. Wow. Probably way more than you would think, but like one person got caught or like a few people got caught. Wow. Yeah. That's fucked up. I know. It's dark. Woo. But like. Holy shit. So so we have come up with, like, this term of, like, ghosting somebody, which everybody out there has been ghosted one way or another, right? Whether it's friendship or... Roleplay partners. Um, <laughs> how dare you? It wasn't you. 
Do you oh, feel okay. called out? I we still talk. That's not technically ghosting. But it's true. Like we well, me and you, we had a role play partner that uh he like dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, for a and whole he, year and a half. Yeah, like just <laughs> didn't come on. We, right? we thought he died. <laughs> we thought he was dead because he was like an older guy, like not super old, but like he was in his fifties, had a like wife, kid, whatever, right? Yeah, great, like, great we, writer. Oh man, oh amazing, amazing. Uh, we thought he died. Like we were just like, I guess he's dead because. And then he just randomly pops up one day, and he's like, "Hey, I had this username some time back." Things went crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, and then oh, wow. I start I started a role play with him, but then like stopped because it just wasn't the same no, ever again. We lost the chemistry. It was tied to his first username, that's what it was. But yeah, like everybody at some point now, especially in this modern era, has been ghosted by someone. So yeah. it's it's just that back then it was a lot easier to drop your shit and leave cuz you could be untraceable. Um, Man, I, I kind of feel like I would have been that type of person who totally would have done that. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. But I mean, like, in that era mm-hmm. of, like, where you could just, like, walk out the door and, like, disappear. And start for a over bit and somewhere then... else. Clean slate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely, like, I mean, I've done that, you know, with still having connections. But, I mean, I very much like doing the clean slate thing. Mm-hmm. It's because I have emotional problems. <laughs> Yay. Woo-hoo. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so Michael ends up, uh, we, we flash forward again. Michael ends up getting the AP job. Uh, May ends up going down to Louisiana and she's like talking to him, you know, and she's trying to call him. He's not answering the phone. He's not answering text messages or anything like that. Um, it turns out in serendipitous fate, if you know, destiny that Isaac yeah. is her biological father and while she's down there in Louisiana, Michael shows up to finish off his last piece for the paper before he starts at AP. And then she just pops in the doorway when he pulls up and he's like, oh, shit, I've been I caught. was trying to ghost. <laughs> I was trying to ghost you, but here we are. Um, and like, yeah, they, they end up going, uh, like they went out. Mm-hmm. They um, end up going, I think, to the same hotel and bar that her mother had gone to in yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. So I think that, I think that wasn't intentional, but like they did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they end up having like, you know, this great time, but then, you know, the, the, the conversation comes up of like, oh, well, I got that job in London. Yeah, and she's like, well, where does that leave us? Because, like, I don't want this to end. We can do long distance. And he's like, yeah, but that, like, never works. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of sucky. Um, so, anyway, he ends up going back to, to New York. Um, my favorite part is, uh, when he's having the going away luncheon or whatever like they're throwing him a going away party and his boss goes congratulations hope it doesn't work out <laughs> oh yeah she is <laughs> she's salty. she's very funny she and then he's like you know well you know give my intern you know give him a chance let him write a story let him become a paid employee let him take my place and she goes yeah i guess <laughs> and he gets a job you yeah know. like Michael was looking out for his buddy. I can appreciate that. Um, Mm -hmm. So back in Louisiana, you know, Isaac basically tells her to not make the same mistakes as he made with her mother. He tells her, don't stand by and let that stand in the way of you two being together. Figure something out. Why don't you go after him? Because I didn't go after your mother. And it's one of my greatest regrets. You should you should go after him. You know, I don't want you to turn out and be heartbroken and live regret the way I do. Yeah. Um, so she goes back to New York and then she and he moves to London and then she ends up scoring some Kendrick Lamar tickets in London. Yeah. And he she ends up sending like the ticket or his ticket to to him and says like, he still makes me feel guilty, uh, but they end up uh, 
they go to the show together. Yeah, and it's left kind of ambiguous. Like, it, the ending shot is them walking, I think, into the concert, right? Or towards the concert. Yeah. And it, it, it leaves it kind of ambiguous, you know. May's main concern is she didn't want to ask him to stay because she was afraid it would rearrange his life for her. And she didn't want to be an inconvenience to him. And so now she's like, okay, I'm pursuing him, and I don't know where things are going to lead, but I do know that I want you. You know? And it's just like... So I assume... Yeah, so I assume she moved to New York, or, like, to London with him. Mm. Which, I mean, there's a lot of museums, so she'd be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I hope she got a job. Um, I think the only thing... I like to think that she got one at the British Museum and it, she got an amazing job. Yes. Um, I think the one hang-up I don't like about this movie is a woman re- or rearranging her life for a man. Mm, I thought of that, too, where I was like, mm, I kind of prefer if... He'd have stayed behind? Did, yeah, if he would have stayed behind, like, let's say he got another job wherever, like, I think that would have just worked out. Yeah, like, what if he got a job at GQ or something, like a big magazine? But that's the thing. Exactly. Like, he's a journalist. He can move around. She's, like, a curator (laughs) at, like, a museum. Like, she has a job that... It's hard to find a job at a museum or a library. Signed me, a librarian. (laughs) Yeah. Those jobs are hard to get into. Oh, boy. And they don't come up yeah. often because they they really are lifetime jobs. Oh, yeah, because, like, if you get a job at a library or any of those, like, sorts of places, like, you're there for life. <laughs> Pretty much. I have I have a co-worker who has been um, involved in the library, has been a member of the library team for 45 years. Yeah. That woman draws a pension and she still works. Damn. I know. I know. No no room for new blood that way though. Like come on boomers. Yeah. You come have on, boomers. you start have reti- social security. Let yeah, let the young retiring. people let the young people yes. have a chance. <laughs> start retiring so that we have a chance. That's that's every like millennial right now. Yeah, We're no, just like, like we don't even have a chance. Like one of my coworkers who is the same age as me is very conservative and even she has made the point that Maybe that certain person should retire because she is literally double dipping from our county's budget by getting a pension for having worked for 30 years and getting a salary on top of the pension and getting Social Security because she is over the age of 65. Like, yep. give us a chance. <laughs> but no. We're tired. Brenda- Brenda needs all the money she can get so she can save up for that house in Florida. Like, no lie. The only reason I have my job is because I came in when my supervisor had been there for 22 years and she had had enough. Like, if she had decided to stay on another six years, I would still be part-time. And temporary part-time. And you, like, that's the thing. You almost didn't get that job. Yeah, like... There were definitely more qualified people. What saved my ass is I had been doing the job at a part-time scale for three years. And then they gave it to me because I already knew how to do it and they wouldn't have to train me. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Could you imagine if you did... Because that's a... Like, if you hadn't gotten that job, you would have had to train the person. Yeah! Oh, doing the job. So I'd thank God you got the job. I'd have quit. I'd have, <laughs> I'd have said, fuck this. I'd have flipped a table on my way out. Because I busted my ass to get my position. And people still think I don't deserve it. So, Oh. And I oh, worked I my ass what off the- for that job. So, Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Because like, <laughs> somebody like threw their college education in front of oh like, your face. And yeah. it's like, okay, to do, a, to do certain jobs... You don't need a college education. You don't need a marketing only- degree to say that a book is still useful. That's a very yeah. specific call out to someone who will not listen to this podcast. <laughs> but it's true. It's like there's a lot of jobs out there. Like you go to school for two years for radio and you absolutely do not need 
a two-year education to do what well, I do. Well, we were told that no everybody way. needs college and everybody needs a four-year degree and we got screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Honestly, it's so dumb. Uh, and, like, I'm just bitter <laughs> and I'm, like, really mad about how um, our generation has been treated and... Um, yeah, and we still get coddled like, like children. We still get told we're children. Oh. And uh, the oldest millennial um, is in their 40s. We are not children yeah. anymore. Oh, well, that's the thing. Like, my... Um, I've recently... Um, some stuff's going on where, like, I'm moving into this house. I'm moving in with my parents because I'm a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's Because true. the economy like, didn't work out for me. <laughs> it's true though like okay so here in Halifax um there is a 1% vacancy rate in the city right so that means that there are no places to rent it's very hard to find a place to live right mm-hmm. and then also the price the prices are now all going up mm-hmm. so there are people out there who aren't able to afford to live like in a normal apartment anymore so there's that and then we are also one of the lowest paid um areas in canada yeah it's kind of like it's it's kind of like how you know i get salary and i still don't make enough money to live on my own like i'd have to move in with a couple of people just to make the rent and i get salary yeah that's the thing we live like, our parents were able to have a house and buy groceries and have a family oh, yeah. on minimum wage. My, my seven, and we're not able to do that. My 72-year-old so, uh, co-worker was like, minimum wage wasn't invented to support a family. And all I was thinking was, yes, it was. The entire point of the minimum wage is to have minimum living. Like, you wouldn't be comfortable, but you would have a roof over your head. <laughs> Yeah, like, but but that's the thing. Like we have, like this is happening, probably way more. Like I only see it from like my little section of the of the Canadian country. But like, even in low income areas like mine, it's still an issue. Like you can't get an apartment around here for less than eight hundred dollars a month, and the average yeah. the average sa- the average salary is around like thirty thousand dollars a year and after taxes that's like 22 yeah you know so it's like (laughs) and rent for a house is like eleven hundred dollars yeah so how the fuck how the fuck oh you're supposed to work three jobs right Gracie? like exactly i would literally have to have my salaried position and work um, eight hours a day at another job in order to live on my own. And I recently found out that, like, my job, which I thought was a little bit more secure, I'm an independent contractor, which means I'm self-employed technically. So. <laughs> found that out when you were doing right. your taxes, huh? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought I had a full-time job. I thought I had a job, like a yeah. Yeah. So, um, so gig gig base economy economy. Here we are. Yeah, I saw a really. How's, how's your late term uh, capitalism going? <laughs> I saw a meme the other day. It's like um, burnout culture is when you uh, focus on a on a hobby to get rid of your burnout, and then you try to figure out a way to itemize and capitalize on that hobby, and then you end up burning out on doing it because you're doing it for money instead of for pleasure. And I'm just like, yeah, that's that's um that's a lot of people in my generation. That's a lot. My vast majority of them will, you know, get a hobby and they're like, oh, I can make money off of this. And then they work themselves to death on the hobby trying to make money because they're not getting paid enough. And that's the thing. I had like a full blown argument with somebody about how, um, like, if you raise minimum wage, then more people will be able to actually buy stuff. Mm-hmm. But then they were like, well, then the price of everything else is going to be raised. Oh, I'm yeah, like, that's the that's the uh, shit storm that I had to deal with the other day at work, too. And it's like, yeah, but 
Like, that's not... The, the prices are going up anyways. Yeah, regardless. And they're not going to go up astronomically. I think the only hit that'll be taken is, like, smaller businesses would probably have to cut their employees. And learn yeah. to adjust. Which would be a temporary setback until the, you know, it, it would eventually correct itself. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But, like, more people would be willing to go to the mom and pop restaurant and have dinner because they have extra coin in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. It's, uh, that's how. And then with more people being able to spend money, you could hire people at the rate that you're paying them and the cycle continues that's how consumerism and capitalism work you can't have a booming capitalistic society if everybody's poor except for rich people who do not spend their money capitalism thrives on people spending money if you're not spending money capitalism is not thriving basic economics okay okay anyway that's the movie. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's us ranting for a full hour about <laughs> stuff. Oh, income inequality sucks. Um, but good on these people for having really super good jobs that pay really yes. well. Good on them. I hope it works um, out. <laughs> so the next part of this is the test. Tests? Yes. Yes. Uh, because no trivia yeah no trivia uh bechdel test um so we have two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man this happens a couple of times so it's pass then we have the racial bechdel test where you have two people of color black indigenous or other people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person this happens several times uh, throughout most of the movie, actually, so it's a pass. Then you have the yep. Mako Mori test, which is a woman whose storyline isn't based on pushing a man's storyline further. Unfortunately, this movie does not pass because May, even though she has her own story with her mother, I. It's all connected. Yeah. It's also pushing Michael's story forward and his character development. Um, yeah. same with Christina. So I'm going to, I'm going to fail it here, unfortunately. Uh, um, I would say, I would say though, Christina though, has her own story. That I don't, I don't feel like it, it pushes Isaac's character, like story further. Okay. I'll give it to you. You have can, yeah. I'll give it to you. All right. So we'll pass because of Christina. Then we have the um, DuVernay test. You have people of color, black or indigenous or other people of color on um, who have a storyline that's not based on pushing a white person's narrative. And this happens throughout the movie. So it's a pass. And then you have the Vito Russo test. Are there people who identify on the gender, sexuality, or romantic minority spectrum? Do they matter to the plot? Um, no. No. None of that here. Uh, and then... This isn't a gay movie. No. This is a straight movie. This is a straight movie. Uh, and then the last thing is, can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp from a Christmas story and it take away from the plot? You could get rid of the best friend and the wife of the brother. Yeah. So... But, I mean, all in all, I think this movie is just a really good, fun, like, well, not fun. It's not super fun. It's got funny parts. But I feel like it's a really good romantic drama. Like, if you're in the mood yeah. for a romance story, it, it's perfect. It's a perfect little romance. It's got kind of an old Hollywood feel to it, almost. You know, kind of a classic slow burn. You know, I I, I yeah. enjoyed this movie. I'm glad we decided to do this movie. We'll probably do Me Queen too. and Slim next year. Um, Maybe. I don't know. Honestly, I think we could do, like, another year of um, black female directors. Yeah. We don't get enough love, you guys. Uh, they don't get enough love. So. Yeah. Not we. I'm not. I'm not Rachel Dovazal. <laughs> nope. You are not. Uh, I am a white, white girl. Mayonnaise is spicy. That's, that's how white I am. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. Mayonnaise is not too spicy. I eat, I eat medium salsa. 
I shouldn't talk though. I'm. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about? <laughs> I know I have another dumb story, but Do tell. Um, there was one point where my uh, family, like my uncle, um, great cook, uh, before he like passed away, but he had p- made like pepper steak or something. Oh, right? too much pepper. Yeah, and it was way too much pepper, and I thought it was like way too spicy, right? <laughs> and it was like it was like black pepper. <laughs> yeah. Hey, black I was also is ten. Super smoky though, it can really heat up your mouth when you're not paying attention. But I was also like ten at the time, so. But still, like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was definitely a white girl <laughs> moment where it was like, "Pepper's too spicy." I always, <laughs> I always make that joke. There's um, whenever I go to the Taco Bell where I live, and then like. You know, a girl open open the door, and typically it's um you know black people that work there. Uh, that's typically the employees, right? And at that specific establishment, and uh, every time, because I'm so white, I make the joke that I'm a white girl whenever they ask what kind of sauce I want because I'm an idiot. I made that joke too many times, and I hate myself for it. <laughs> yeah, they're at that point where they're like, <laughs> yeah, this, bitch this bitch gonna make that joke again. I don't go to it's talk about that like, often. <laughs> thank God. But it's kind of like when you go to, um, like, you go to a clerk or whatever, and, like, it doesn't scan, and you're like, ooh, I guess it's <laughs> free. And you're just like, every time, you're just like. I know. Die a little inside. I, I've toned it down a lot. I used to be really bad about that. But, you know. Oh, no. Another time, I was at um, I was at the eye doctor, and I straight up made, like, a joke about how pot was suddenly legal or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, for my glaucoma. And she just, like, gave me that dead look where I was just She's like, like oh. I would murder you if you weren't giving me money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, honey, I live in Canada. We don't give them money. The government does. Oh, that's depressing. Anyway. But, but um, you know, she definitely did like give me that look just like, I've heard this joke before and I hate you. And it was just like, oh. Oops. Sorry I know. about that. It's such a cringy customer thing to do, and I'm guilty of it. I, I was exaggerating. I don't do it that often, but I have done it a couple of times. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because I know I it's cringe. cringy. Uh, anyway. My whole life is cringy. <laughs> it's true. Mine mine is uh, cringe best. Anyway, um, it was really fun talking about all of these amazing women and their movies, and I was so glad that we were able to highlight a whole bunch of them this month. Next month, we're going to do some fun stuff, because the month after that is heavy. <laughs> we Yeah. March is going to be yeah. all fun girl movies, like, uh... When you try to murder your boss and kidnap him instead, you know, we're going to do 9 to 5. That's going to be fun. Uh, We're also going to be doing Legally Blonde. Uh, I think we're going to be doing Little and um, Like a Boss, I think we're doing. Yeah. I think we're doing that one as well. And there's one more that I can't remember. Oh, I think uh, the Tom Hanks movie and Gwen Gwen, uh, Gwen Davis Oh my god, there's no crying in baseball. A league of their own. That's what it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. I had a moment. Wow. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're going to be doing next week because the week after, the month after, next month, because the month after that is dedicated to epic movies. Um, that's going to be okay. fun. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, wrap it up. Yes. I'm tired. I, me too. <laughs> Stop rushing me. You make me nervous. Anyway, uh, this movie was fantastic. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Feminist Pod. I'm on Twitter at South of Grace. You can also check out our other podcast, which is Disney Dives, where we talk about Disney live action, Disney Channel original movies. It's pretty fun. Uh, Ajeline? Yep, and I have a Twitter and an Instagram, Ajeline's A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And that's it, because... Uh, bedtime i've been up since 3 30 time to go to bed yep all right so we yep, will see, i'm gone we'll see you okay. guys next week bye bye i guess